Welcome to Inside America's Minds, a series of original podcasts created and hosted by clinical psychologist, Dr. Jody J. DeLuca. Inside America's Minds features fascinating conversations with everyday people like you and me and their extraordinary experiences. Join us for this thought-provoking episode on Inside America's Minds. Today, I have with me Dr. Lona, did I pronounce that right? Cook, who is the owner and founder of Cook Chiropractic Center. Thank you for being a guest on Inside America's Minds, Dr. Lona. I really appreciate it. Oh, Dr. Jody, I'm excited for our conversation. Thanks for having me. Yes, and I know you are super busy because it turns out that you have quite a few locations, which we're going to talk about, but... Again, I, I really feel privileged. And then I found out before we started the show that you also do pediatric chiropractic services. And I think that's phenomenal. So you are a chiropractor. Uh, you've spoken and attended hundreds of events in the past decade. Uh, you are also a proponent and a big supporter of holistic health, which I'm gonna have you define for our audience. Um, I love the fact that you treat not just the body, but also the mind and the emotion of the individual, which I think is very unique. And so what I would like to do to start is have you define what the practice of chiropractic medicine is. Sure. I'd love to. My favorite thing to talk about. Um, well, chiropractic is a relatively new um, healing profession. You know, we were founded in 1895, and the man that began us was named D.D. Palmer. And his um, his gift of being able to see that perhaps the spine was a very important part of our health really blossomed into the profession of chiropractic that we know today. So when I try and strip it down to what chiropractic is to me, it's a technique of looking at the spine, the spinal column, and placing adjustments, whether hand, you know, hand on contact or some people use instruments, um, to align the spine, to unwind basically areas that we call them subluxations, but areas of the spine that are holding more stress, whether that's physical stress, mental, emotional stress, etc. This is where the body-mind comes in, um, body-mind-spirit. But by aligning that, we open up gateways, we open up the energy, and then the system's intelligent. It knows how to heal itself, just like a cut heals. That's probably one of the biggest parts of chiropractic that, you know, I think serves humanity right now is teaching people that you are capable of healing. There is always um, potential for change and shifting. And so we look at the nervous system as a huge part of when we can help that system to unwind then we can expect a different result, which for many people is something desirable, whether that's, you know, pain going away, which is what most people think of when they think of chiropractic is that, oh, I go in if I have neck pain or back pain, but a whole gamut of other things, because if the nervous system's in better rapport or is less stress on the system, then generally the end result is something that is better. So, so when you say the nervous system, you're talking about the brain and the spinal column. Now, you said something really powerful. You said the system heals itself. So when you talk about the system, are you talking about a person's spinal cord, brain, and so on? Yes, I am. But I, I after being in this field for over a decade and trying to understand, I really, I, I would go and listen to seminars. And sometimes I felt like they were very dogmatic. And I'm like, okay. I need to understand, I need to, why does one person heal and another doesn't, you know, and, um, and maybe we're doing the same things and you look at much of their lifestyle and it might be really similar, but there's still something different about them. And that's where I really started to kind of geek out on understanding us more from an energetic perspective. So yes, I am talking about the nervous system. Um, and from a physical standpoint, we are physically putting our hand on the bony structure, which is the bone that's protecting the nervous system. But, you know, there's a difference between us 
as alive, you know, we're having this conversation, we're energized and a cadaver, right? And that's to us, that's, you know, whether you call it spirit or life force or energy or soul, again, those are semantics, but, you know, we are more than just our physical body. And so when I say the system's intelligent, sorry about that. No worries. Um, I mean that our nervous system is like this channel for that energy. And that energy is bigger than just what we perceive as our physical body. So, you know, in some avenues of Eastern medicine, they might call that like the aura or the field. Lynn McTaggart's work talks about like consciousness and the field and how we're all connected. Um, I really believe that that's where healthcare is hopefully moving in that direction of talking so much more about this, um, this energy field that if we're in good rapport with our system and higher fields around us or like you know we've all had that experience where you feel alive doing something you love or you know look at the pandemic and how much fear has been perpetrated in that and how contracted we can feel those energetic states are part of you know what I want to teach people is that you have more control over your system than you think by how you navigate your energy and chiropractic fits into that so can stress, can anxiety, can grief, can depression affect pain and the spinal column and the central nervous system overall? Do you 100%. see that correlation? Oh, yes, definitely. Um, so, you know, I, I think this is where I'm, I'm so excited about this because I think as we meld the physical body and more of what's happening to us internally, you know, okay. our emotions, our mental patterns, and we can see the connection there, then we also can see if I can, if I can catch my mind's thoughts and recognize that they're in a negative spin and meanwhile also see, oh, my physical body is giving me symptoms that are not maybe desirable too and start to see the connection sometimes that maybe for years we haven't been willing to see, then we can start to do something about it. So I, I believe that the physical body goes to where the mind goes. Um, and there is a direct connection through that energy channel. So um, I'll give you an example. If I get into a negative loop, it's not too long as for me, especially because usually I'm not in this negative space. I don't feel anger and fear as a dominant state all the time. But if I let myself go there for too long, usually I'll get a nudge, <laughs> whether that's a pain in my body or something that happens in my awareness that will try and nudge me back to getting into a better state again. So a book that was transfer transformational for me was called Dee Dee ha uh, Dee, uh, sorry, David Hawkins' Power Versus Force. Have you heard of that, that? I haven't, but I will look into it. So David Hawkins' Power, Power Versus Force. Power Versus Force. He was um, a psychiatrist, I believe, that he wrote a series of books that came off of this, but he had one of the largest healing or one of the largest psychiatry practices in New York state. Um, he passed away a few years ago, but from all this work he did seeing people and recognizing that the lens in which you see the world determines basically how the world manifests back to you. It's like a mirror, right? And it's a hard thing to wrap your brain around, especially if you're living in a state where you don't like what the world is showing you, because that means you have power to change it. And sometimes I think people don't want that. But I have found that I believe it's very true. So um, in chiropractic, we talk about something we call it adio, above, down, inside out. And what that means to us is that life is happening through us. Um, so if we're literally like little vibratory um, tuning forks or um, we have an energy about us, like we were talking about earlier. And that energy has electromagnetic pull to it. And so if I, I'll give you an example, as someone who's not usually in a negative dominant state, like I'm usually in more of a reason or love or um, acceptance state. But I, when I, at the early on in the pandemic, I was pregnant. So I have a two boys, one that's six, who's here with me. You'll probably hear him in the background. And then, Jack. Uh, yeah, Jack. And then I had a baby Max. And so I was in my last couple weeks of pregnancy and my midwife, um, had a health crisis. And so she was not maybe going to be able to be my home birth midwife. And I let my brain go into all these negative places because I really trusted her and I didn't want this other midwife and yada, yada, yada. 
you know, just let myself get in a negative loop about it. So I'm driving to meet the other midwife and I know I'm not in, you know, I'm not paying attention. Like I'm kind of on autopilot and I'm in a negative loop. I'm sure if I would have been able to catch my mind at that time, it wasn't probably in a good place. And what I mean by that, we're mirrors to this. We're electromagnetically attracting our life to us. My son, Jack, was in the backseat and he goes, mom, how fast does this car go? And I said, I don't know, Jack, fast. Again, not really paying attention to what he's saying because he's part of my experience. He was trying to nudge me. So I'm driving. I don't realize I'm flying. And I, what do I see in the back rear view mirror? Two minutes later, I'm getting pulled over and I got a massive ticket. And so oh. why, yeah, why I share this story, I had to laugh at that point because I'm like, the, the cops are pulling me over right now because I've let myself get into this negative frequency and they're interrupting my pattern right now. Like I literally believe that I attracted that experience. And that's part of when I say like, I believe we are that powerful that we're magnetizing our experiences to learn to get out of our own way sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, So our physical body does that to us, but also our experiences in what we perceive as our outer world is also doing that to us. So I had a nudge that day to like, you know, knock it off, Lona, get your mind right. And, you know, luckily I've had time to practice this awareness where I realized that I'm not a victim to my own life. I'm creating it. I'm co-creating it. And I can shift my own energy through different things that I know help me, like working out or meditating or going to take a nap or laughing, you know, you get to choose that. And, you know, it's, I I support what you're saying entirely. Now we, I'm a cognitive behavioral therapist and basically uh, what you're saying, especially when we are attracting and putting out negative energy, we would call it catastrophizing Mm -hmm. and being mindful about stopping a few minutes and saying, okay, feeling versus fact, this is what I'm feeling, but what are the facts? My child's in the backseat of the car. I'm going beyond the speed limit. There's been a change in who's going to be there to deliver my child and uh, you're in a state of emotion and what we would also call a fight and flight, which oh. activates the central nervous system more than anything else because of evolutionary purposes, correct? Yep. So, totally. and then the law of physics, the laws of physics would also say, absolutely, there's a reciprocal relationship between how we navigate that field of energy Mm. and what we get back, whether it's unconscious or conscious processing and reciprocity. So here you are and uh, you treat the body, mind and soul or spirit, as you said, and there's lots of different words, but I'm sure the audience gets it. Like in our field, we, we tell people depression hurts, anxiety hurts, it rocks your world. You can't sleep. You can't fall asleep. You wake up in the middle of the night. You wake up in the first morning and you're what we call ruminating and worried. So when you have somebody come in and you are doing your evaluation, how do you know if they're depressed or anxious? What what body, what signs does the body give you as a clinician to know that, hmm, This may be because of depression or anxiety, stress, especially with the pandemic that we're Mm -hmm. still in the middle of, so to say. But what do you observe and what is your line of questioning with Mm -hmm. your patient? Yeah. Well, I think you can gather so much just from looking at the person and seeing how they carry themselves, where their shoulders, are they way up here? Are they forward? Posture, you know, our posture mirrors are again inner world so um there's a lot of things that we can look at there's a lot of things we can feel i know that a lot of people early in the pandemic when i put my hands on them you could literally feel like their energy is like buzzing like they were like you said flight or fight earlier you know again what does after- that feel like energy buzzing help us understand that i i find this fascinating so yeah um okay I know it's like riding a bike too, where like the first, you know, when you're beginning to ride a bike, it's like, you have to think about everything, right? You're not Mm -hmm. sure if you're doing it right. And, and I think it's true. Like, you know, you probably with all the ways that you can pick up on, um, you know, what you've honed in on your clinical practice, the same is true with 
you know, putting your hands on somebody's bodies, you feel different things. So it's like that muscle that gets worked. So at this point, when I put my hands on someone, if I feel it doesn't happen all the time, which I'm grateful for, because usually when I, when I feel this, I know that there's like intense stress happening in that person to the point where it's almost, it almost feels like if I was going to like give it a label, it feels like their head's ready to pop off. Like they're, their, their energy is so erratic that I probably wouldn't even need to put my hands on them. You can feel it away from their Mm -hmm. body a little bit. Um, And they may not have to say anything. That's just something that at this point I can feel on their energy field that something has, whether it's something traumatize them or something they don't know how to process to the point that they're just like stewing in it so much. Right. Um, So to me, it just feels like there's an intense amount of energy there. So one of the things that was taught to me by one of the energy workers that I've done a lot with is if this concept of energy and feeling energy is interesting to you, like we all do it. We can just even rub our hands together and feel that sensation of the friction and then, and then kind of pull them apart and bring them back together. And you can feel that when your hands are closer together, you feel more of a buzzing sensation. And then when Mm. you pull it apart, you can feel the energy change between your hands. It's subtle, but these are subtle senses. It's part of that um, energy field that we were just talking about. So I did feel that in an early on in the pandemic, and I think all of us on some level probably have shared trauma in like, what the heck is going on? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And we're still in it. And, yes. and that's a really weird place to be in. I think we all can experience that this past two years has felt so foreign in so many ways. Um, but I also think there's really a lot of beautiful things that are coming out of it and will come out of it. Um, but early on, especially it felt like, you know, one day felt like a week, a week felt mm-hmm. like a month. the progression of time. I, yes. I, you know, from a psychological and emotional standpoint, um, I, I, there's a lot of research coming out on that now. Where mm-hmm. does our, where do our brains go? And with your expertise, where do our bodies go in, you know, in response to this change and progression of time, especially in our country where free will, I mean, we come and go, everything is, you know, right there in front of us when we want it, how we want it, and then, then all that stops. Mm-hmm. So I want to switch gears a little bit. Talk to us about holistic medicine versus traditional medicine, because I think in a lot of patients I see, there's there's like a question about that, you know, where they're like, well, I want to try this holistic method as far as medications, if medications Mm -hmm. or psychotropic medications are indicated, Mm -hmm. or I want to try alternative medicine, and then there's Mm -hmm. functional medicine. So Mm -hmm. if you can just kind of teach all of us the, the definitions and how they differ from the traditional quote unquote stereotypical medicine that most of us are aware of. Yes. Um, well, I'm really going to strip it down Good. first and then we can go into various things. But I think if we're trying to give them like a kind of like, are you taking this pathway or this pathway? One of the biggest differences is like, we call it mechanism versus vitalism. So mechanism is like, you're a machine and I can go in and change this part in the machine and the machine will still work. Cause the machine is like basically just your physical body, right? Like looking at the physical body, like it's a machine. Um, and that would be more what I'd say traditional medicine has been like, oh, your gallbladder is causing you problems. We'll just take it out, you know? Um, instead of recognizing that that gallbladder is connected to so many other cascades of things that are happening, as well as there's a mental and emotional component to the gallbladder. Like, you know, there's just so many layers to it, right? And, and honoring that there is more to us than our physical body. So that then the contrast to that would be vitalism, which says that, Jack, please turn that down. Now, thank you. Um, the, the vitalism says that there's, there's more to you than the sum of your parts. So when we were chatting earlier, Dr. Jody and saying like, you know, there's a spirit, there's a soul that's different than the cadaver, right? Then that would be where vitalism honors that there is something that's self-healing, self-regulating more than just your body that's present, that gives you life and is capable of evolving and healing you. So to me, one of my friends said this on a podcast or something earlier this year, and I just loved it so much. It was like, 
you've heard of the quote, or maybe you haven't, but it, in chiropractic, we throw it around a lot because we like it where it's, I think a Thomas Edison quote that says like the doctor of the future interests himself in the care of the, the human frame and the diet. Well, I think the doctor of the future is the patient, is teaching the patient to look within and, and they are their own best doctor. We just haven't been given maybe the power to recognize that and the tools to help make those dots connected of I'm the one living in my body and I'm the one that knows my thoughts and I'm the one who's been in my experience. Now, if someone can help me or maybe hold space for me to make some of these, you know, questions come through myself and help me have my aha moments or the areas that I'm willing to go and change and shift, I really think that's hopefully where we're moving into. So, when I look at holistic health, holistic health to me, first of all, as a baseline means um, that we're trying to use a natural approach, you know, a God made or a, you know, organic approach to healing. Um, I, I think there's an incredible mistrust at this point present, and this is probably part of the trauma that's out there in the world right now to pharmaceuticals and probably rightfully so. Um, so you know, I'm, I'm really hopeful um, that we are seeing the tides change where the patient is going to drive health care back into a model that is truly patient-centered and patient-centered and not siloed because we've come from this model where my mental health is over here, my physical body is over here on this other thing, and it's not integrated. Even though we're trying to say that it is, I, I would assume you probably would agree that we've got a long ways to go. I believe uh, people need options. I believe they should have the options. And uh, the chiropractors in our community, I know, work very closely with traditional medical physicians, as well as us as, as therapists, especially during this pandemic. And it's, it's I learned something many years ago. I was at a conference um, and uh, Damasio, Antonio Damasio, a neurologist who's, who has written some phenomenal books, he and his wife, Hannah, but he said something very interesting when he was talking about the body and brain and just human emotion and behavior, his thing is emotion, is nothing occurs in isolation. It's mm -hmm. a feedback loop. Mm -hmm. Everything works in orchestration. So when something is out of sync, whether it be a physical, emotional, psychological, whatever, physiological, it's a feedback loop. It affects, it's a domino effect. The other thing I have to say is I do think people in our country, in the United States, like you said, are standing up and saying, no, we need options. We mm -hmm. don't want just you know, pharmaceuticals uh, we want to have the different options. And sometimes I've dealt with, uh, well, more often than not, a lot of patients who will start along the holistic alternative medicine and then will have to go to traditional medicine because that is the only option left or that may be the thing that heals or can stabilize whatever is going on with their situation. So I think it shouldn't be either or, black or white. I think there right. should be options. And I think everything should be respected for its uniqueness and its potential. Mm -hmm. Now you have, um, and I read this, you have, and we talked before the show, two brick mortar locations. What does that mean, brick mortar locations? Brick and mortar. So they actually are physical practices like okay. that you come into. Um, okay. So I'm sitting in one right now. Okay. Mm -hmm. And again, you work with children. So mm -hmm. how is working with the pediatric or children or even adolescents or young adults different than working with adults? Yeah. Well, from a clinical standpoint, they come in generally, obviously, with different reasons that their parents would bring them into a chiropractor, you know, and, okay. um, but we're still doing much the same thing. So like their complaints, a lot of times, it's not that the parents are necessarily bringing them in for supportive or wellness care at this point. It's like, maybe they have ear infections and they've heard that chiropractic can help or mm. colic, or they're not sleeping and pooping well because they're in flight or fight all the time. Those are reasons that 
parents have heard, oh, maybe I want to try chiropractic. But, you know, the premise of what we're doing is still the same. They still have this nervous system that's protected by a spine, a spinal alignment and the spinal bones. And so we want to look at where their system has possibly gotten out of balance. And then we'll use lighter techniques to adjust their spine, especially if it's, a, you know, a baby or a toddler. Um, and, and then we wait and watch and see what the body does. Um, one of the coolest parts about one of the things we're doing is we're working with a lot of kids who are, we, we actually go into our school system and provide chiropractic care um, during their day with some kids that are labeled in um, various classifications for special ed. And what we're trying to see is using something like chiropractic, how can we affect their ability to thrive in school, especially kids that are maybe really struggling? And again, when we talked about earlier, like if we can help take some of that tension out of their frame so that their energy system is operating better, yes, do they generally complain less about traditional things like headaches and whatnot? Sure. But then also if, you know, let's say this child has trouble regulating their behavior and are, you know, that's maybe part of why they might be in special ed classes is because they have trouble with regulation of their own, you know, emotions. Mm -hmm. um, and we can help them by doing something that's really conservative, like chiropractic. Now also we're teaching them a different message about their body. It's not that maybe they need to be medicated their whole life, you know? And so we were down at our capital here in Wisconsin um, sharing at something that was looking at just non-pharmaceutical options. And they were really intrigued about what we we're doing mainly because I think about, think about the culture we've created where, you know, you turn the TV on and there's a drug commercial advertising that there's probably something wrong with you and you need a drug. And our kids are listening to that. So I, I just, from my vantage point, think, you know, that's one of the things I'd love to see change quickly here is where there's more of a message of like, your body's smart and it is capable of healing and let's work with other avenues before we jump to you know, medication. I'm not saying medication is all bad. It's just, in my mind, far too overutilized, especially for our children. Um, but then, like you had said, it's like, well, if we could work together and also if parents knew there were other avenues that could help and they were more, there's more inroads, then, you know, that's how we create change. You know, it, it brought to mind for, for me several years ago now, I'm trying to think, I think it was about maybe, oh my gosh, 2000, I was doing a, a, a radio interview and they asked me about attention deficit and attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And at the time I had done some research to prepare for the interview. Mm -hmm. And it turned out when I got into the scholarly research that 90% of the world's uh, attention deficit medication was used by American children. 90% of the world's supply was used by American children. So right there, it was like, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. you know, what is it? What, how old was the youngest patient or how old is the youngest patient that you treat today? Oh, we see babies literally right after birth sometimes. So you're kidding. Wow. Oh, no. I no. had no idea. Yeah. Um, well, think about it. the birth process, especially if we have interventions in our birth mm. process. Like, let's say a baby is delivered C-section and there's a fair amount of torque and pulling that happens yeah. to get the baby out. That's a lot of strain on that spinal column and the, the nerve system. So, you know, we try and educate that proactive, pretty much anything you do proactively for your body down the road is generally going to pay off dividends, right? So, our, you know, our spinal cord and spinal column is one of the most important areas of our body. So why not try and just get ahead of the game there? So I don't, you know, it'd be interesting to know the stat of like what percentage of kids are checked for subluxation or in a chiropractic office before they enter kindergarten. And I have no idea what that would be. Um, but definitely I, a topic for research. Yeah. And who better than you? <laughs> well, we're trying to do some research on, um, we're working with, there's a, a team called the Havoc Research out of New Zealand, okay. and they are working with us to do the case series um, on the children that we're seeing 
in the schools because it is a unique thing and mm -hmm. and we do need more research and we need to understand one of the things we're looking at and i'm sure you've you know what i'm talking about is hrv heart rate variability mm -hmm. so hrv is a great um way to look at is your system navigating stress well um, and how is it dynamic dynamically changing um, and so that's one of the things that we're measuring on the kids is, you know, what's their HRV like when we begin and then where is it at after they've had some treatment or some chiropractic care, are they able, are we seeing changes with the HRV as well as what their teachers report and their, um, you know, parents and themselves self-reporting, mm -hmm. what are we noticing as they change? Mm -hmm. and, and I want to get to your books and all the things that you're doing. What has been to date the most challenging case that you've had in your clinical practice, Dr. Lona? Hmm. That's a great question. You know, well, this is probably no coincidence. Everything I think is like divine timing. But for me, my most gut-wrenching is those that are closest to me. So, you know, my own mother is extremely um, in severe depression. And so the closeness of seeing human suffering and yeah. um, your own emotional connection to that and the fallout that happens in a family when someone is really ill. Um, and knowing also that I do, I, I thank God for like my own journey and understanding healing and human potential, because what it's allowed me to recognize too is, you know, if I could cut off my arm and give it to my mom, I would, but I realized that she has to do her own healing. And I think that is where, whether we're talking about my mom or some, another patient that I want so badly to help. And I feel that if they would do certain things, they would get the results that they want but you hear the like old saying, like you can lead a horse to water, you can't make them drink, right? Yeah. Like that I think is just as a healer, recognizing that each person is their own healer and I can't do it for them. Those are the most gut-wrenching scenarios when you realize you, yeah. you can't do it for someone. Right. Um, you know, so that I think is the things that hit me the most is when you can see someone that continually self-sabotages themselves um, from healing. But I also think healing and suffering have purpose too. So um, that has helped me too to realize that why would I want to take that away from someone if they haven't, if they haven't, if they're not ready yet. Um, on a flip side, I have one of the things that I think we had a really tragic accident here in our area. Um, and you're in Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. Yeah. Chippewa. yeah. Okay. And, um, you know, there is a car accident that hit some pedestrians and there were children. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the survivors, you know, she's gone through so much to rehab and try and gain back function. And so I just love that we've been able to be part of that journey with her. Um, and to just look at too, like the layers to that, there's the physical trauma, there's the loss, there's the loss of vitality at a young age. And, you know, what, what each person that was involved in that, even those that weren't hit, obviously there's so many layers of trauma there. Um, and the community, I mean, it, it just, it rocked everyone. And so I think witnessing that, knowing that you can help one person individually on your table, but also just holding space that we are, you know, we're not God, we're not pulling the strings and all of this. And I try and have reverence for that because sometimes when you see suffering, it's just like, it seems so like, so over the top, you know, you can't wrap your brain around it. Um, but then to realize like, you know, like we talking about the pandemic earlier, there's good that comes out of these things, even though there's immense turmoil in them too. Um, and so it's just trying to realize that there is balance in the universe. And that has helped me when you see these things that just seem so terrible. And, and I would agree with that. I think now more than ever too, it's um, the losses, but also the gains, mm -hmm. even though we have to be intentional about looking for them. But you, you said something so powerful too, is not being able 
to help, especially family members. Mm -hmm. uh, we're healers. That's what we do. We want to help. And I think as clinicians, is sometimes our own expectations are unrealistic and we don't know what to do. I, I have the privilege of dealing with a lot of healthcare workers, including other psychologists and, and, and physicians. And, um, and the hardest thing is when you can't help, especially those you love. And we have to remember there are rules in place of why we can't treat those we love, but why we also have to understand we are not all powerful and uh, we have to take a step back sometimes and trust that what is going to evolve happens and we can only be there when we can. And like you said, holding space, mm -hmm. being there without judgment, unconditional regard. So this is a perfect segue into let's go back in time. Let's talk about little Lona. When did you have the first realization that you wanted to enter the field of healing and why chiropractic medicine? Yeah. Can I call it chiropractic medicine? Is that a misnomer? Educate me here. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't choose that, but some people call that. I mean, it's definitely like a, not a misnomer, but because we're using natural ways, we don't usually use the term medicine. Um, it, again, it just it probably depends on which chiropractor you're talking to. So I just okay. call it chiropractic. Um, I chose it. So growing up, this, this is kind of interesting. So growing up, um, my father went to the chiropractor pretty frequently. He had a pretty, um, like, he was a contractor. So he did a lot of heavy lifting. Okay. Um, so he would go often. And then we as kids, I actually was a colicky baby. And my dad um, had convinced my mom, like she needs to go to the chiropractor because as growing up, he had gone to the chiropractor and he knew that people brought their babies in. And that was one of the things that generally helped. And so lo and behold, it helped me. And, and, you know, we didn't go all the time as children, but we went probably every year. And, um, I remember going in, so our chiropractor growing up was a woman, MJ Gonstead. And I just thought she was, I liked, she seemed very put together and very helpful. I just, she had a great energy about her. And so I really looked up to her. Um, and then in 11th grade, I think there was like a class that we had to kind of name what we thought we wanted to do and then go shadow um, a profession. And so I chose her. Um, and that, I think, just kind of sealed the deal for me. Um, so the funny thing, and I, so my grandfather, who has passed away now, maybe three years ago, he was a veterinarian. And mm. um he told me this story after I was in practice a few years and it just floored me because it was like the most radical story I had heard. And I thought, why have you never told me this before? So he grew up and he was born in like 1919, I think. Um, so he was in like rural Wisconsin and was in a car accident when he was 15. And at the time he did not have parents with him because his dad had died when he was younger. And then his mom lived in the city in Milwaukee. Um, so he was in a boy's like boarding home. So anyway, he's in this accident and he gets knocked unconscious in this accident. He was a passenger and the people that came upon the accident saw that he was alive, but he wasn't coming to. And they said, where do we take this kid? We don't, he doesn't have family here. And someone said, well, he, the chiropractor in town knows him because his mom was a like farm mom who didn't have enough money to go to the medical doctor, but knew that if she took the kids to the chiropractor, they generally did better when they were sick. So that's who they went to. So anyways, he ends up getting transported to this chiropractor's office in Burlington, Wisconsin, in a coma basically, and stayed there for a couple days and then got better on the third day and walked out. And he just told me this story. Like he was just telling me that he had coffee yesterday. And I thought, grandpa, that's radical. Like, that's crazy. Wow. And I realized like, it's because of him and his mother, you know, that would have been at the beginning of when chiropractic was even probably unlicensed and a thing, but that they were people that utilized it. And then it, you know, went to my father and then to us. And now I'm sitting here as a chiropractor today, because it's kind of been this thing that we just did. I thought everybody knew when I sat in school on the first day, I remember they saying, this is a tough profession because you constantly have to educate people as to why do they utilize it? How to best, you know, make it serve them. And I thought about, it was a foreign concept to me because I thought, 
I don't get it. Why wouldn't people just understand that you take care of your spine? I, I, it didn't sink into me that the vast majority of people didn't grow up the way I did. And so it was just an interesting perspective. Mm -hmm. Phenomenal. And, you know, I'm a large component. I believe in genetics and I do believe in the genetic ability to inherit memory and traits. And I think the epigenetics now, there's a lot of research coming out. And so I believe your genome. Yes. Exactly. You know, which is so exciting. So I I believe there's a definite genetic component to that, especially after hearing your story. So growing up as a child, your biggest challenge? I think I always felt kind of like radical in a way that like, I just felt like people didn't understand me, but then I think maybe everyone feels that way. I don't know, but I will say this, that I always was headstrong and kind of like my dad will say, like, we'd try and tell you what to do. And we knew you'd do what you wanted to do regardless. So it kind of got where they just like threw their hands up in the air. Um, You know, I still had respect for my parents, but I definitely felt like I kind of had this purpose and I was just going to like full steam ahead. And, you know, that got me into trouble when I was younger, for sure, because I just had no cares in the world to some extent and just did my thing. But I think about where we're at right now and everything that's going on in the world. And it almost like feels like now I'm at home. Like I feel like I was Mm -hmm. built to be in this time where it's okay to not maybe do what everyone else is doing and to help people just think about other things um, in in a way that, you know, I'm not trying to force my beliefs on them, but I'm also trying to just ask questions that might be questions I never heard before. Um, and so maybe that's why I always felt odd. I don't know. Well, I, I think you were a rebel. I think you were a visionary. And I think it's, you didn't, you didn't run with the crowd. You didn't run with the herd. But I think stepping out, or it's like this. It's the natural, what's natural to you may not be the mean or the average individual, but it has a purpose. And when you find it, you know it. Mm -hmm. Uh, you feel it, you know it, and there's no question about it. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about your books and you had a recent book published as well. Yes. Yeah. So it's called Reclamation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Say that again. It's called Reclamation, the Evolution of a Hot Mess. The uh, Reclamation, the Evolution of a Hot Mess. I love it. (laughs) Tell us more about that. Okay. Well, so much of what we've been talking about, Dr. Jody, like I, I definitely feel like I woke up to the way that I've lived my life now for about 12 years through the school of hard knocks. And, and, you know, what we were just talking about is like feeling different, but not really knowing why. And it, and it definitely caused me to have, and I'm sure this is true for most people. There's a period of your life where, you know, you create your own not so great stuff too. Um, (laughs) Been there. (laughs) Yes. Right. And, and so, you know, what I wanted to use my own story to illustrate, like when you start to make this shift into recognizing that you are creating your life through unconscious decisions or conscious decisions, your life changes because you now have more power than you ever had before. You're not just like this ship without a directional compass, you are looking within for your directional compass. And um, so I use my story of, you know, I literally was held up at gunpoint in Costa Rica and I used that. Oh, you were? Oh my gosh. I was like, use that as my intro to the book because I really think that period of my life was to shake me awake. Like a gun to the chest is definitely a wake up call, you know? So, so I have to read your book now. I mean, oh my gosh, did you put yourself in that position or was it unexpected or? Yeah. I mean, it was totally unexpected, but of course I did put myself in that position in the sense that I think I was ignoring a lot of things in my life. And then I was in Costa Rica for the last part of school and they had told us not to go various places by ourselves. but knowing me, I was like, well, that doesn't <laughs> pertain to me. I can do that. And so, you know, I just did it. And, and then I found myself in that predicament and it happened so quick that I really didn't feel fear in the moment. Um, yeah. But 
it was one of those things where it just kind of, it stunned me. You know what I mean? It like stunned me of like, what is going on in my life? And, um, and then I came back from Costa Rica and I was supposed to move out to California and various things to like start what I thought was going to be the beginning of my career there. And it was like, just shit was flying at me, you know, every direction. And so I really think that's when I spiritually woke up. Like I had a humbling of like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And, um, and that feels really foreign when you're, everybody's expecting you to just keep bulldozing ahead. Um, Mm. and so I tell my story of getting humbled and how to, and, and it cracked me awake, you know, where I started to look at maybe some of these things that I, I've been living like, I need to actually look at myself deeper and understand why am I doing that? And why do I keep making these decisions that are probably not healthy? Um, and start to shift it, not because I'm bad or flawed, but just because I don't want to keep living like this. Um, and so then that opened up where it was like very serendipitous, I guess, that I was graduating college at the time, going to be starting my journey as a healer, but I had to heal so much, you know? Um, and, and I started to do it in this inside out approach, this holistic approach. And now I feel like it's allowed me to resonate when I, when I have someone on my table, you had asked this question earlier and I didn't really answer it. Like, what questions do I ask? You know, it's kind of like a thermometer. I'll just mm-hmm. maybe throw a question out there and see the level of like engagement I get. Um, can I go deeper? Can I, do I need to pull back? Um, where is this person at with how much they're willing to look at their own life, at least with me, you know? Um, and I don't think I, you know, I'm sure you've found this too, that as I heal myself, as I understand more about this mind, body, spirit relationship, the better doctor I can be, the better space holder I can be, the more that the person comes with a diff, a different depth of need to me. And, and that's why I almost feel like my mom has been my greatest teacher also, because it has wildly cracked me open to having compassion on a whole different level. Um, and also being okay to just hold space because there's nothing that I can maybe do in that moment for someone and that's okay. You are so humble, which makes you so amazing and phenomenal. And, you know, I think that you believe like I do that it's a privilege to be able to do what we do, to be allowed to influence, influence, excuse me, the lives of others. I just think, but with that does come introspection, you know, being aware, self-aware. And I think only through time and experience and being honest with ourselves Mm -hmm. that we get to continue that privilege in the best way possible. A message to the audience, if you were to give the audience and myself a message, um, and then I also, I'll go, I'll get back to that about the goal of your practice, but what message do you want to share with us? Okay. Well, what popped in, so I'll go with that, is, okay. is that one of the most powerful things I think we get to do is to choose how we tell our story, Mom. you know? One second, Jack. He's he's okay. It's okay, Jack. Okay, that's okay. We're almost done. Um, It's to choose how we tell our story. So, you know, sometimes I think we get in such a rut that we think our story can only be told one way because we've only ever told it one way. And that has a certain energy field about it, right? And most of us, tend to stay within the energy field and then we wonder why we get what we've always gotten Mm -hmm. and you know you mentioned epigenetics and so I'm sure you've kind of dove into like Bruce Lipton and and Joe Dispenza's work but a lot of what they're talking about is you can be anything you want to be you can create anything you want to do but it's going to require change Mm -hmm. and so one of the I think most powerful things to challenge each of us on is how am I going to reframe my story You know, I can tell my story like it's a sob story. I can tell my story like it's the most empowering thing that's led me to this place. And both can be true, right? So I think that is something I'd leave you with that I think healing truly comes from 
this shift in our minds to take our power back. And in places in our own story where we've given our power away, we start with just telling the story differently. And it might be that you might say, for I'll pick on one of my family members who always says, I have a bad back. That's present time, right? You, I have a bad back. Why don't we just start saying something like, in the past, I've had to deal with a lot of back issues. Mm. Now, at least you've distanced yourself, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. It's changing the mental script and what we refer to as cognitive distortions. Yes. So it changes that. Mm -hmm. How does a person start? How do they start thinking, manifesting differently? How do they start that change toward a better balanced life? I would say giving yourself some space. So I was just on a run. So running for me is huge. Like things drop in for me when I'm running, meaning like I get ideas and I'll get answers. So if you're someone like me that needs to physically move your body, that might be part of how you make your changes, making that a priority. You know, so for myself, I got two little kids. It might be 15 minutes a day. It doesn't have to be like this massive thing. Mm -hmm. It might be journaling. I realized this morning when I was running, I don't know why I was thinking about this, but I was thinking about, I haven't journaled lately since I've had my youngest. Um, but when I was going through that awakening back in like 2009, that was critical for me is that I just have this small sheet of paper that I would try and just put some things down. Um, and I, I think there was no coincidence there that I went through a rapid change during that time because I was giving myself some space to process and not just keep it all in even though no one else has ever read those. Um, at least I hope not. Um, and <laughs> so, so your husband, Kyle's going to go right for them. Now he's going to go look for them. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And breathing like our breath and our ability. That's okay. Come join me over here for a minute. Um, Let me see that beautiful boy, Jack. Let's have a look at you. Come here, Jack. He's pouting. Um, <laughs> His switch died, so we're having yeah, a lot that, of switch time. Oh, did it? Uh, oh boy, that that is a catastrophe right there, little man. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, he's probably like, I'm over it, mom. Um, oh, 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 we're coming in. We're coming in. Oh, we're not. All right. Um, sorry, I'm losing my train of thought as I'm watching. No, him. no, you're a mom. That's the way it goes. So, uh, <laughs> like you, hiking. Uh, some of the biggest change or thoughts or processing or getting back to baseline, hard resetting for me has been hiking, but at a summit, the top of a mountain, which is crazy. But for each of us, it's unique. Now, what I'll do is I want to say, well, the brand or the mission of Cook Chiropractic Center is aligning your mind, body, and spirit to uncover a life you never knew existed. That's so profound, Dr. Lona, so profound. We firmly believe that in order to heal, we must look at the whole person. Couldn't be better said. You had some other books, so I love this. Just tell me where to start a book for chiropractic entrepreneurs looking to start their own practice. That's mm -hmm. great. DCCA Synergy, what's that? So the first two books I wrote were really with, were within our profession. So, um, you know, before I got really into like the spiritual energetic component of all of this, I just really got excited about like how my life was growing. And I wanted to teach people, like, I think we get such messages of like fear about opening businesses and all the things that can go wrong in business. So, that was my first book. The second book was on how to create good synergy and the people serving on your staff or your team with you. So, so important, no matter what business you're in, um, is to create a field in your practice, basically a field of energy. And I really look at like, you know, sometimes when we're going to hire, I'm like, if it doesn't feel right, let's just not do it, you know, because okay, the right good. person will appear, you know? Yeah. And, and so one of my business partners, we do masterminds together. He's very left brain and I'm now pretty right brained. About You're things. integrated, my dear. You <laughs> yes. use both. Yes. All of it. Yeah. So we kind of joke about it because he's always like, oh, Lona's going to give you the airy fairy answer, but I'm going to give you the <laughs> like, do this. But it's, it's a nice balance. And, yeah. and I think 
for some of us, for myself, the beginning of practice was really life left-brained. It was like, okay, I need to get structures in place. I need to know how to do this. Um, and now what's really fun for me is going and saying, okay, I know I have these structures in place, but now I want to see as I dream, I can put the structures around what needs to be there, but who appears and what comes through. You know, I had a meeting this past week with a couple nurses and a nurse practitioner because I do think healthcare is radically changing right now. Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. And um, and it was exciting to see them excited about what could happen because I think there's so much fear in them right now. Like, what's happening? They've just been through a battle, right? Um, and then some of them are disenfranchised. And, and I think maybe there's a divine purpose in this that's going to create something so much better for everyone. So my, my, ex, I don't know, my excited energy right now is just to be the person that's holding space. So like, let's have some conversations about what could it look like? You know, let's yeah. dream it up right now. And then you have Awaken, Bridging the Gap Between Your Inner and Outer Worlds. And you wrote that with Lisa, Th is it Thielen or Thelen? Yeah. Thielen. Yes. She, oh my gosh, Dr. Jody, you would love her. Um, she is, she is just wild. So she's had these gifts of subtle senses, clairvoyance, um, mm. just amazing energy um, abilities since she was. And there are people that are that talent, talented. Oh, I, I mean, like, yes. Right. Yes. And what she's taught me is that we all have some of these talents. We haven't just like a basketball player that shoots free throws a hundred times a day, you know, and then if I went up there, it wouldn't be that good, you know? So it's like, she's just utilized this muscle of using her sixth sense or whatever you want to call it. And she's really good at it. And so we all have some of these capabilities in different capacities. Um, so she's taught me so much about healing. So that book's really fun read of like so much of what we were talking about because so much of it I've learned through witnessing her and asking her questions because like I said earlier I didn't like when I felt something felt like it didn't resonate with me or it yeah. felt dogmatic I was like okay now I want to learn more and I want to try and pan out a little bit and see it more from an energetic you know and that's what I admire and respect is that Jack this hi Jack. Jack you say hi Dr. Joe <gasps> hey little man <laughs> So you're open to all possibilities. You're not just focused within a box. You reach out and overall it's for the greater good, which is phenomenal. So we're going to wrap it up. You've done several articles, Dr. Lona. Turn into your best life by synchronizing the body, mind, and soul. When the universe tells a joke, don't laugh it off. Here's proof that silver linings exist even in life's most difficult times, incredible. So where can people get a hold of you? Where can they reach you? Uh, my email is drlonacook at gmail.com. So just spelled out. And then that's my website too. So drlonacook.com. Feel free to find me on social media. All the links are there. Or if you're Jack, you know, just come with me. <laughs> Jack, I like you, Jack. You are as strong-minded as your mom. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Thank you so much for the privilege of speaking with you today. Oh, thank you. Thank you for your grace. <laughs> are you kidding? I okay. have one. Okay, and great. When he was little, he was a lot like Jack. <laughs> and I uh, love him to death even today. Thank Thanks. you so much, Dr. Lona. Thanks for having me. Thank you. This is Dr. Jody J. DeLuca signing off. Take good care, America. Thank you for listening to Inside America's Minds. Don't forget to check out our YouTube channel, Inside America's Minds with Dr. Jody J. DeLuca. The views, information, and opinions expressed on the Inside America's Minds podcast series and on any other related social media pages are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent the opinions of any third party. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional psychological, psychiatric, or medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. 
Always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding your condition. Never disregard professional advice or delay seeking treatment because of something you have heard on Inside America's Minds or have read on any other related social media pages. For emergency situations, be sure to call 911 or go to the nearest emergency department.